0: Welcome back to the second episode of Alpine Worlds, the four-season mountain show podcast. I'm Matthias Veger, and today I'm here again with my brother Jakob.
1: Stoked to be here. Yeah, today we're going to talk about Alpine Worlds in general. We're going to talk about episode zero, episode one, two, and three. Then I think we're going to go more deep into the topic how you lost your ski at the first turn of the season, and then how we tapped into the early season trap in episode two. And then we're going to talk more detailed about episode three, which has just launched on our YouTube channel last week, and how we got known to Aaron Durugati, our good friend, and how he introduced us to our home mountains or to the
0: special approach in our home mountains, I would say. And also on the story behind of what happened and why Aaron and Mario crashed with the paraglider with the tandem in episode three. Exactly. All right, three, two, one, drop in. Today, we're going to talk about a few topics. I guess the main topic is going to be our YouTube series, which just launched episode three, a multi-sport mission on our home mountain together with Aaron Durigati. Then we're going to talk about what happened yesterday.
1: (laughs) Exactly, yeah.
0: Um, And also about the episode which is going to launch on Sunday, episode four. Um, Yeah, which is going to be pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, but first of all, I want to ask you, how do you feel today?
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, (laughs) I'm feeling way better than yesterday. (laughs) Um, We had a big day out yesterday. It It was snowing a lot at the beginning. And then it was raining a lot. It was just generally pretty warm and I've been soaked for the whole day. How are you feeling?
1: Yeah, I'm feeling quite tired. Um, yeah, as you said, um, basically yesterday we wanted to film a new YouTube episode on our home mountain on Highway to Hell, the iconic, um, super steep and narrow couloir. And usually we go up there when the weather is super bad and when it's snowing. And so we did yesterday. And yeah, I have to say, I have never been that soaked during the whole day
0: than yesterday. Like, it was really, really tough. Yeah, me neither. I mean, um, luckily, all of us had um, good Gore-Tex stuff on, which helped a lot. But still, it was so warm that yeah you had to keep your jacket closed and also um you had to keep your the hood of the jacket above your helmet um because going under the trees was just a gambling game and sometimes when the trees released it was a huge tree avalanche coming down on you so even though the jackets actually kept us um sort of dry um you were we were still sweating. It was just super wet and foggy, yeah. yeah, everyone was sweating like crazy,
1: and I think, yeah, we were also wet because of of the sweating yeah. um but yeah, I mean, that was yesterday we we're we gonna talk more about in the YouTube episode and then in the podcast of the YouTube episode um but yeah, today, I think we haven't really talked about episode one and episode two so far um, yeah and I think those two episodes are also quite interesting because it were our first episodes and it was kind of a premiere for us to yeah to film those episodes
0: yeah exactly I mean it all really started last year when we said we wanna start doing some YouTube videos but we didn't had, um such a I'd say proper idea of what we're going to do, um, and it all really um, got a good structure this summer. Um, I mean, we I guess we we thought a lot of what we do and what we are in the end, and the thing is, I guess we do outdoor sports and mountain sports all year round, from kayaking to climbing to flying, um, to skiing, ski touring, ice climbing, um, I guess pretty much most of it, a part of base jumping <laughs> yet. Um, and so, yeah, we were like, like, what are we going to do? We're going to do a summer show. We're going to do winter episodes. And so I was thinking about names and I guess Alpine Worlds um, sums it up or wraps it up pretty well because the name which works for summer and for winter and all those sports happen in the mountains.
1: Yeah. I mean yeah, exactly. You already you already said how it is and I think it's it's cool for us that we found a format now where we can cover all those disciplines um in one in one format and at the end this is exactly what we do. Like we go out, we we try to combine different sports. We try to um use every type of sport equipment um to connect it all together and and make things happen, which are usually not that easy to do, for example, episode three we we skipped the approach by using our powergliders, then we climbed up on the ice like using the climbing skills and then we rode down and then we flew out again, so it's really cool
0: exactly I guess this episode really. Um, represents a multi-sport mission. Um, it's a lot of sports and different things combined. But that's also and I really like episode zero. We called it episode zero because it was sort of a test run for us. We we filmed it ourselves. We had a drone with us and um, the Insta360s. Um, and yeah, we that was also one of the missions which for me... Um, are the most beautiful or most interesting ones where you try to reach something which is um, hard to reach by combining many sports, open like opening up many doors by combining many sports. And we, we know that in our oh, we, we, we got to know that in, in our um, home mountains in the Texel group, there is um, one climbing route, which we heard about quite a lot, and we got a topo. Um, the thing is, it's it's in like a quite remote um, valley, and the approach by foot takes you like, I'd say six hours.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It really depends how fast. Yeah, but if you want to climb, then 10 pitches, Um on 3,000 meter peak, uh, yeah, you you really have to, to take it easy on the approach and it's a
0: really long approach, yeah, that's for sure. Exactly, and so we came up with the idea or we had the thought obviously to fly there with our paragliders, which would mean to cross um, a few mountain ridges, um, fly up to well above 3,000 meters, which needs a good flying day. But the thing is also... We didn't really knew how hard to root this. It was graded um, like six most of the pitches were around six A um, Alpine. And yeah, for us that is is not that it's not doable, but it's still um, yeah, not not super easy. And it's ten pitches, so we knew we, we probably need some time and we also didn't knew how well it is um, secured.
1: Yeah, I would say it always depends. Like the grade really depends on how the route setting is, how the orientation on the route is. And yeah, we basically didn't have many information about because it's not a route which many people do. Um, Like we knew that guy who who made it and he said it's super easy but usually those real experienced uh, climbers are always saying that everything is easy and smooth. So, yeah, we were a bit nervous about the route, I would say. But for me, I was super nervous about the flight because I never flew that high up and I never did this route. And yeah, I'm also not such an experienced paraglider. So, for me, the flight was definitely the part which scared me the most or which made me the most nervous and yeah i was actually not really believing that it's going to work out when we stood at the takeoff I was like okay yeah let's let's try to catch some thermals but like the chances that we gonna make it over all those mountains to cover all this distance and then land in time in front of the face and then climb all the face i was like yeah that's like quite an optimistic plan but at the end it worked out i was crazy
0: yeah, I think that was, for me, that was the, the core thing, like the time, if we're going to make it to land in time, because a good thermal day, especially in late summer, I guess it was late August, Yeah, um, doesn't really start before usually 11 o'clock, and that is already quite early. And then we would also need to fly to the max altitude, and that usually like the highest cloud base um like that 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 is how high the thermals reach you have around two o'clock in the afternoon but we we told ourselves that we need to land at the climbing route before 1 p.m because it's still 10 pitches (laughs) um and we need time for that and then we need to get down off the mountain and out of the valley again before ideally sunset um and yeah, when we took off, I was like, well, it's late. I guess we took off at 11 because before there was um, no thermals and it went straight up. And, and we, I guess we made like 3,600 meters, which is really high for the place and super high for the time of the year.
1: Man, like I never turned a thermal like this before. It was crazy. I mean, we were looking at each other and on 3,000 meters, turning the same thermal and it was just going up like crazy, and we both like were like just what the hell is going on here right? that was a really sick experience um but I remember when we took the first thermal and we went up to three thousand meters at the beginning I think um then we saw that there came quite some some dark clouds um behind in the in the big mountains so at this point I thought yeah now it's Gonna now it's like pretty fine, but uh, more inside the mountain range, it's gonna be tricky. Um, and I think there was one point at Chigot, we went there and it was super weak, and we barely were able to climb up there.
0: Yeah, we, we pretty much only used uh dynamic lift yeah. from the south face, <clears throat> and yeah, then we at some point, I guess, we managed to. Um, hook into a thermal, and that one was amazing Like you could pretty much fly it one handed and it was just going up like 3 meters per second and completely smooth and stable all the way up to 3600 meters and at that point I guess it was like just after 12 o'clock it took us like um, 3 quarters of an hour to fly there it was pretty slow Um, but then from that point I was like this is so sick and we, we flew a straight line over over the um, this main ridge and, and landed in front of the line, I guess just just after one o'clock. Yeah.
1: I think this flight was probably the most beautiful I ever did. Like crossing the Lodner, which looks like a volcano, Um, on 3,500 meters, I, I looked down and it looked like a crater down there and everything was so... It was impressive. Like for me, as I'm not a... And uh, not a distance flyer, uh, being so high up and and covering this this distance and seeing those mountains from 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 above, uh, that that was really special. And yeah, then <laughs> we made it to the line. I parked my wings straight in the rocks and straight like in the mud. It was super
0: super muddy there in the landing. Yeah, it's it was- like a dying or like a glacier which is almost gone. It's just a little bit of ice and moraine area left and so it is sort of muddy and yeah I parked it straight like we planned to to land a bit farther down where there is a little lake. But coming there the conditions were so smooth and it was so tempting to just park straight below the climbing route. Yeah. That yeah I was first and I was like, oh yeah, let's try to
1: Yeah you were first and I, I crossed the ridge and then I saw you landing straight at the climbing wall. And I was like, "Oh man, we we said we're gonna land at the lake." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, let's let's try to land there." And I think I just landed like ten meters before you, and there was yeah, as I said, there was a lot of mud and it was super slippery, and my wing got got a bit. It. I mean, now it's fine, but at this moment I thought now it's gonna, it's gonna be broken <laughs> because it was hanging in all those rocks and it was super spork and everything. Yeah. That was quite a, a, an intense landing situation. Um, and Yeah. Then we started climbing and actually the climb worked out super well. super smooth.
0: Yeah. The thing is like the first pitch was pretty interesting and a little bit, because I know Marcus Brandl, the guy who sets the route. Yeah quite a bit he was one of the really really strong climbers in the area and usually or sometimes when one of those super strong climbers um say that it's 6a it can easily be a 6c or even harder also depending on how much um gear they left behind and he said it's it's secured really well yeah but he was still is still like a way better climber than we are and then we came to the first pitch and there was there was an, there was literally no- nothing. There was nothing inside. And the reason for that is that the glacier was about 60 meters or 50 meters higher when they first yeah. um, opened up the route like 15 years ago. Um, but it was a pretty nice crack where I could um, place some friends, which was yeah really nice to, yeah. to secure in an alpine um, way. And then we got to the first um, stand <laughs> and... Well, we couldn't really find it but there was like something like two pitons with an old rope or like cord in the middle it's like well there we go like exactly how far I, how I this gonna be like some old rusty pitons in 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 some sort of loose rocks um and then you followed or like hi oh, yeah, okay it, it's gonna be intense yeah, you have
1: to think he he told us that we can easily do
0: it with a 50
1: meter rope and then you were just climbing. And at a certain point, I, I saw that the rope is going to be finishing. I, I was like telling you, yeah, Yo, the rope is going to be finished soon. And there was no anchor in sight. Um, so, yeah, I just started climbing behind you. And I was like, whoa, this is not starting as, as we <laughs> planned it. Um, but, yeah, we really have to say it was only the first pitch. Um, like the first pitch was really critical yeah. and we thought like, well, like if it continues
0: like this, we're going to be fucked. <laughs> we're going to be the dark. Yeah. I mean, it was one PM and I don't know at that point of the year, it got dark around seven, I guess, or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it turns out we, we caught the, um, the anchor or, or the rest of an older, even older route, which is, which only has pitons and, the climbing route, which Brantle called, uh, La yeah. which means like empty battery because it was so cold in there all the time. And they, they actually, um, drilled the, um, oh, he said that it's, that is, that it's, um, drilled. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but it was so cold there that the battery off the drill always got empty. <laughs> um, that's why it's called empty battery, yeah. and turns out we we missed the route by like ten meters, and we're on the old climbing route. Um, and then ten meters to the side, there was actually the the bolted one, the bolted, the right one, yeah, the right rest. And from there on, turned out that the route is actually really super amazing climbing, super solid rock, which is very not usual for these mountains for yeah. the Texel group, um. And yeah, from there on, everything went pretty sweet. And what he said was also very true. It was a 6A, like um, not, not very steep, um, but quite technical and ah, just amazing climbing. Yeah, I
1: think he found uh, the perfect line on this mountain because the mountain like this one, the the Hohe Weisse is used to be quite loose rock and this is like a ramp which goes from the bottom to the top and this ramp is super solid but it's only that that piece and i think he did a a great job to to find this this route and yeah. to set it up so we were really surprised because we were expecting a lot of loose rock and some gnarly climbing but at the end it went super smooth it was just just a beautiful climb it was yeah. not even super hard fast, us but it was just beautiful to be up there and to, yeah, like everything together was was super special, and then at the end, um, yeah, we we still came in the dark <laughs> because yeah we messed up the the um, the hike to the last takeoff. We messed it up a little bit, and then we came in the dark. But yeah, we flew back to Merano and it was a it was a sick day for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah that was episode zero um yeah as i said very no budget production we cut it ourselves we filmed it ourselves um that was and after that or already before that we were talking with um with mamut with adrian our our man there <laughs> um and i guess it's it was pretty hard or it is pretty hard for a brand to to believe in a project which is not there yet and there is nothing to show but he from the beginning told us no guys he thinks it's a great idea um to make youtube videos and tell a little bit more about our adventures and not only do like nine to fifteen second reels and he said no no we are gonna support you in the future um so yeah this episode came out it was pretty nice and again he told us we're gonna support you guys and yeah. I think it's really hard if someone
1: comes to you and says he's going to do YouTube episodes um because I think there is a really wide uh, wide range of YouTube episodes like you can make them super low budget talking to the GoPro and not having professional cameras and anything and I think that is not so interesting for a brand and you can make like something Really high quality and 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 with a high standard, and that is super interesting for brands. So I think, yeah, it it was really nice that that they trusted in us, and uh, because like yeah, you could also say yeah, just show me show me what you are doing, and then we see. Mm. Um, but yeah, then uh, episode one we already started with professional filmers, and I mean for us, for myself, if I go on youtube and just watch a random well-made youtube episode i think like ah that is super easy to make you just bring two filmers and everything is easy and then when you really start doing these things i figured out that it you have to think about a lot of things to to make it well and to not have those missing parts where it's hard to to tell the story or to complete the story Mm -hmm. how was how was
0: it for you like no, sure. Like, um, I mean, it. It. I was thinking it's going to be way easier having professional filmers with you. Um, I guess in the first episode, we had Miloš Jacobi, a good friend of us. He's uh, also a great kayaker, but also a great photograph and, uh, photographer and videographer. And already Mario Cappelli, um which is, I guess, yeah, part of our real core team. He's... He's the man, like, a, he's one, the man. <laughs> one of the best um, video drone pilots out there. He strictly refuses to fly FPV drones because he wants to enjoy um, the landscape and he also refuses to cut and edit. So he's really just a video, just a video drone pilot. But this thing he just makes on an insane level and insane shots. And yeah. very nice dude, super strong alpinist as well. And yeah. That was the first day shooting with Mario and and Milos. And it was really early season. I guess it was the 7th of November. Yeah, it was super early. Or October. No, November. It was November, yeah. 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 Um, And yeah, there, obviously, as it is in early season, I guess we have been insanely motivated to ski. (laughs) The weather was not really on our side that day. So we decided to, to ride this Y couloir which is pretty easy to access and we, we ride it all the time nowadays. Yeah, It's our, it's our, it's our classic
1: run after, after the snowfall,
0: I would yeah. say. Um, but yeah, for that time of the year, it felt amazing to be back on the skis. And we also skied it. It was super sharky at the start. Yeah. I lost my ski, um, at the first turn really, because it looked like there is some snow and wind accumulated snow. Um, and I thought I'm going to cut it off and maybe it, it's going to release. <laughs> but it was actually not um, a wind slap, but it was just a pile of rocks yeah. with a little bit of snow on it. This this moment was so
1: funny because there was so much hype about the drop-in. Like we did Rock Paper Sister, Every, everyone was like, okay, now it's going to happen. Now we're going to drop in. How is it going to be? And then you drop in, you do one turn Bam! You go straight in the rocks. You lose your ski, and everything's like, "Oh fuck! <laughs> what
0: what's going on here?" Yeah. Like, yeah, it was super interesting. Yeah, and then I guess also, yeah, that that is actually something I wanted to talk about, which which had a story afterwards. Again, it was Milos saying also in the in the YouTube episode, um, "Isn't he locking his skis when he skis stuff like that?" Mm-hmm. yeah that's
1: uh that's a good question, and I mean, it is a good question yeah. for me as a snowboarder it doesn 't really matter or i i don 't think about those things because i 'm always locked <laughs> in my bindings, but i was then uh i couldn 't answer him you know because i don 't know and uh i'm still wondering when do you lock your bindings and when you don't lock your bindings that's quite interesting, and I think
0: actually in This couloir, and Ypsilon couloir, which is, for me, um, on soft conditions, not really a no-fall zone. Um, Like most likely when you're going to crash or fall, you're not going to die because you're going to slide down the couloir if it's soft. Um, I'm still not super convinced on locking my skis in a couloir like that. Um, And I guess maybe it would have also been worse if I would have had my skis locked because yeah like that my my ski released and it went down like a few hundred meters yeah. down the couloir and I had no ski but on the other hand my knees and my my bones and my leg was all good because the ski came off
1: yeah I think as a skier <clears throat> you really have to to think about um, am I gonna die if I fall because I fall down the mountain or if I fall, I'm gonna break my leg. If I have the the bindings locked, and I think, yeah, that's a that's a topic you always have to to think about, and you have to
0: to get a good feeling for it. Exactly, and that that's also what I try to do. When it's a super no fall zone or super steep, I I obviously lock my bindings. <laughs> I really really want to keep my skis on. I mean, crashing is anyway not a not an option there and i rather have my skis on and a chance to self-arrest <clears throat> me if i if something happens if i slip um and that is obviously way easier with the skis on um and in other stuff i really try to keep it open so yeah <laughs>
1: yeah that uh that drop in uh was interesting for sure and then <clears throat> yeah you had to recover your ski and meanwhile I got ready for the drop-in and (laughs) I had the the honor to be first even if I lost the Rock Paper Sister game Uh, but yeah that was that was a cool line at the end like it turned out to be super good snow and I think it was probably maybe it was the best conditions we had
0: this year in the Ypsilon Couloir. Yeah, apart from the sharks, like in the outrun, it was oh, I was so scared. Yeah, like we were going down pretty fast, trying to not have too much impact. <laughs> so if we would hit a shark, it would be less brutal. But still, I I think I hit like two or three sharks, just like slightly, like zing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this early season is always ah uh, uh, I don't know a scary one. Yeah, I always try when
1: it's so sharky to to don't put my edges too deep in the snow and always go like quite fast, try to stay above and try to float. But yeah, I mean, it's a sketchy game when it's so sharky. And in Sulden, I don't know, but somehow it's still sharky there, even if it has snowed that yeah, much. Yeah, it's
0: just super sharp rock, sharp rocks there. Mm. And, and when the wind blows, it blows the rocks off. But it, it is obviously way, way better now and every year i say to myself no no the next early season i'm gonna take it real easy and wait until the snowpack is good but also on the early season you are insanely horny for or i am at least for <laughs> for some good and proper lines yeah. and that's also what i guess brings us to episode two that was the day straight after like having ski Ypsilon couloir and was super amazing we thought, like, yeah, tomorrow we should try one of the biggest lines, <laughs> or one of the bigger lines in Sullen because the conditions are so good.
1: Yeah. yeah, And from far away, the the King Couloir, the line which we wanted to ski, um, like everything seems to be small. There is this mandatory cliff at the end, and you look at it and you say, yeah, oh, it's actually rideable. Uh, we should really try to to go for it. And yeah, then we arrived there at Ypsilon Couloir. We brought two filmers again, Mario and David, another uh, guy from Murano. And yeah, it turned out to be like the exit cliff turned out to be a 50 meter cliff. (laughs) And you were like, okay, that's not going to (laughs) work out today. But yeah, we had our plan B, which was really amazing with the afternoon light and it was a really
0: cool line. There was so much stuff going down, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, really playing with the white dragon. <laughs> um, no, it was an amazing line, two ramps, a um, bit smaller, but still also not that easy to catch in good conditions. Like nowadays, I, I really want to ski this line again, but it's never really in condition, <laughs> which is which is sort of interesting because we are way um, way more... Uh, advanced in the season and it should be in condition but it's still above, way above 3000 meters um, and so yeah the wind is, is strong and the snow gets hammered and everything so I guess that was a a really amazing gift which modern nature made us there and to be able to ski this line in such a condition which had such a light and especially I um, was super lucky that it just worked out on the second day of our proper YouTube um, filming start, I would say it's just crazy. Like how how the wind
1: is doing in the midwinter season. Like I mean, now if I look at those lines we wrote there, um, they look even worse than they looked in early November. So, like, the wind blows it away, everything. Uh, it's, it's, it's really incredible. Like, in the couloirs, it stays, but on all those open faces, especially in Sulden and, and those areas which are so high up, um, yeah, it can be that there is less snow in midwinter than in, than in early season. It just depends on the wind. Um, but, yeah, hopefully in late winter we can ski those lines again.
0: Yeah, I think this year might really be an amazing year for... For the late season, it snows so much right now. Um, It's super warm. So it rains up to almost 2,000 meters. But I mean, in April, May, also June, we we had one of our best days um, in June locally here on the North Face um, when you actually already swim in the pool and and run around in a t-shirt in the city. Um, And yeah, I guess this year it might be another year, year like that um one thunder one summer thunderstorm and a little bit of fresh snow on the north faces. And it's <laughs> and, on again. And it's on again. And also yeah, I'm really looking forward to this and also to our thermal skiing projects. It's, it's an yeah, just flying up with the thermals and skiing down with the skis on the north faces. I guess this could be the year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but talking about those two episodes, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was early season. We didn't had um, that much possibilities. But looking at the missions, and especially comparing those two episodes with episode three, like they, like episode one and two, they were fairly easy and small missions compared to episode three. And I think after we did episode one and episode two, um, we really started to to think, okay, yeah, like. It, Super cool what we did there, but we also want to show our real missions, which we do very often, where we combine different sports, where we cover a lot of distance, where we spend a whole day out and doing a lot of altitude meters and stuff like that. And then I think you came up with the idea to go to our home mountains because also there it has snowed a lot. And yeah, when it comes to our home mountains, there is also a very interesting character which should not miss on the mission and that's Aaron Duragati um yeah he's uh, world class paraglider i think he's one of the three best paragliders in the world or something like that
0: yeah he's uh, he's uh, since many years he's one of the best pilots out there won a few um overall world cup super finals yeah. um also was an amazing Aqua pilot. He's just a really great all-round um pilot had some amazing results at the Red Bull League Subs, which is probably yeah, which is definitely the hardest hike and fly race out there. And he's living in Merano as well. Yeah. And he also I think yeah helped us a lot in progressing in the mountain sports and took me um onto the first really alpine and combo missions and so yeah we we took him on the mission with us
1: yeah yeah exactly and he ha- he always has pretty good ideas up there and i think his approach um to the mountains is quite interesting there is usually if you go out with aaron there is a lot of scrambling climbing involved and pretty much always a paraglider <laughs> Yeah. So, I think I never had a day with Aaron which was boring. It, there was always something very intense or something very interesting happening, and yeah, I I have to say, like when you came up with the idea to to do that mission, um, I was not that stoked because I was really into that free ride mindset after we did episode one and episode two. Um I was just I just wanted to write, to write my board, to, to write faces, to write powder. And then you came up with the idea, yeah, we should climb up here and fly there. And then ice climb up and steep skiing somewhere down. And I I was not that motivated actually, but as it turns out, once you're doing it, you really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, it's always the same with those bigger missions. Um, not being super free ride orientated, you at first you think, "Yeah, well, but I'm not gonna have a sick descent." Um, but in the end, it all adds up to be an amazing day. It doesn't matter if you're climbing or skiing or rappelling or or anything. So um, yeah, I always know that those big missions, which are usually a lot of effort. Um, really pay off, and so yeah, we started. I think at five was it five in the morning? Yeah, or four in the morning actually. It's quite early. Um, just below Efinger, and our idea was to hike up to Mount Efinger, which is our real home mountain, I'd say, and from there fly around Mount Efinger and land at the bottom of the climbing route of scheiber which is a bit harder to access, especially in the early season, because you would need to hike for quite a long time. With your skis on the back, just through up through the forest. Um, an area where usually not many people go, especially in winter. And so, yeah, the flying options seemed great. And we went up to Mount Efinger for sunrise. Um, the tricky thing was David, our filmer, um, really just started flying. He just made his license and it rained up super high in the, in that period. So the, so we knew that the takeoff on e would be super icy and it is steep. And when it's icy, having a fall or, or sliding down would be really bad or having a bad start. Yeah. There is not much space for mistakes on this
1: takeoff. And I think also when you take off there, you don't really have the time to check the wing properly. Like break up the, the takeoff is quite tricky up there. I think it could be possible if you're quite fast and smart. But for a beginner, yeah, I think it's just not
0: worth to to try it with with that hard conditions exactly, and so we decided to take David's camera with us and <laughs> send David on the long approach by foot um which he was yeah happy about and then the other thing is we had Mario capelli, the our drone pilot and but we also had Aaron, so we we thought, yeah, maybe it would be a great idea to take the tandem and aaron could fly with mario first i thought i could fly (laughs) with mario but in the end yeah having the icy takeoff and everything it just seemed way way smarter that aaron would go on the tandem mission he's super experienced in that stuff but yeah taking off with the tandem both with skis on a pretty icy and steep slope i think it It even made Aaron quite nervous. Yeah. Yeah. He was a bit nervous. (laughs) Um, which is absolutely fair enough. Um, and I don't think I would have been, I don't think I would have taken off up there if Aaron wouldn't have been there with a tandem. But yeah, they made it. They made a super great job. It was the first ever flight for Mario. Um, and yeah, then the bigger issue was the landing at, uh, Scheiber. So below the climbing route because yeah we didn't really knew how it is there it was all white and it looked all right but coming closer it turned out it was just really like some dust on rocks (laughs) yeah i mean
1: it's super hard to check out this area without having or without going up and and using a drone fly around the mountain and we yeah we didn't do that and so i started first i made it over the saddle and and then I saw the landing field and I was like oh shit like there is not much snow there is like pretty much only rocks with some snow patches in between and I mean yeah I managed it to land there even if it was quite tricky also with the heavy backpack and everything but then I thought like yeah Matthias is, is, gonna, is gonna do well there I mean he's, he's super good in flying and everything and then I thought about Aaron and Mario and I was like, yeah, with the tandem, it's gonna be tricky. But then I thought, yeah, but Aaron, Aaron is so good. I mean, he he he's gonna make it. And yeah, then Matthias came in, and I saw him landing, and he was so fast with this fourteen square meters wing <laughs> but yeah he did well on on the video if if you look at the episode like he's sinking so much before the landing it goes down super fast but yeah it has so much energy mm-hmm. like the wing has so much energy yeah, and then mario and aaron came
0: uh over the saddle and yeah then everything started <laughs> yeah yeah the thing is we split up um Mario's backpack between the two of us because on the tandem having two heavy backpacks uh, it, it would not really work and would have been really stupid because also Aaron had a super lightweight um, tandem which is really small and already for them two both being around 80 kgs one backpack was way enough so me and you I guess we both had like 30 kgs around 30 kgs of backpack um, with our backpack plus Mario's backpack split up and some stuff of Aron. Um, and yeah, Aron brought his downscaled, um, B, B3, advanced B3, which is 14 square meters. And as soon as I take off, I was like, wow, this feels like a speedy. Like I flew speedy wings before and it was really a very similar feeling. Like when you hear the wind and your ears like, yeah, I mean, super fast. And I parked it in, and I was like, I parked it in quite a bit lower yeah, than, you, yeah. than you landed, um, because up there where you landed, it just seemed only rocks to me. Yeah. And then Aaron and and Mario came over the saddle, um, and yeah, I guess they, they first saw you, and there was some patches, but yeah.
1: I think Aaron didn't see you landing. He uh, he only saw me because you were a bit uh, hidden in the trees. And yeah, I was watching him and he was going around and then uh, he was approached landing. And I was like, wow, he's super low because the, the trees came up and then there was a lot of rocks and huge rocks down there. And yeah, then I mean, he also says it in the episode. Uh, he he just uh, um, sank down, and he he just lost a lot of height, and he couldn't he couldn't do anything. Actually, he had no chance to to handle it differently, and so then they crashed in the rock. And yeah, to be honest, I was up there, and I thought now something really shit happened because they really crashed hard in the rock. So it was not overhyped in 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 the episode like i was really scared that something happened and then i yeah i tried to to hear from them how they are and i didn't got an answer and i was like
0: like someone is gonna be hurt because they crashed really hard yeah but yeah luckily nothing happened i mean with the skis on it's already a good bonus um it's way less likely that you're gonna hurt yourself on a landing And it was also a good, I guess, a pretty special experience for Mario, <laughs> for his first paragliding flight. And yeah, and so we continued. We climbed up um, to Scheiber. It's it's a it's a special mountain for me because it doesn't really has a normal or a simple way up, and also not a simple way down. I I don't think there is a a skiing route or a steep skiing route which you could ski from top to bottom there is always uh, a repel involved as much as i saw so far
1: yeah i thought the same but yesterday we have been on lavanspitze which is just um, on the side of scheiber and i looked at the climbing part like at the real steep part which was unrideable for us and i don't know but Maybe it's only maybe the ice is only covered slightly by snow,
0: but it looked skiable. <laughs> and I was like, okay. It might be like, obviously conditions on those mountains make such a huge difference. Um, if you have the snow year of your life and the snow back of your life, a lot of things become skiable where you would never have thought that they are. And now, yeah, snowing over a meter and also raining up once in a while and snowing down again, can really make a huge impact and and make the snow stick to the rocks and and, even make it skiable. Like it happens in Lingen, like when it rains up and all the snow, all the rocks, even the overhangs um, become covered in snow. This, yeah, maybe it could be skiable, but at that point it was definitely not. We climbed up this 300 meters of steep, not vertical, but steep ice. Yeah. Until we got into the main couloir, which falls off a cliff at the bottom, yeah.
1: I was a bit concerned because we had David um our other cameraman, and he never climbed on ice and When we arrived there, I saw this ice walls or it was actually quite some ice, then some mixed terrain, some grass, it was pretty much scrambling. And I was like, ooh, that's going to be tricky for David because he never climbed on ice. And I I think in the first meters, he really had troubles, but he's, he's a really good climber, like a normal rock climber. So I think he did, he did really well and he adapted to the ice very quickly
0: because at the end of the climb, he was quite solid. Mm. I would say. Yeah. I think on ice, especially as a beginner, at least in my experience, um, you are quite a bit safer than you think. Like, you don't, tr- I didn't trust my ice tools and I didn't trust my crampons. Um, but in the end, they are pretty solid. Like, yeah. especially when you're scared, you're gonna hammer those ice axes in super hard and it, it yeah, they're usually really trustable. Yeah. I think the hardest part in the beginning is to trust
1: your, your toes, yeah. like you, the, the pin set at, at your toes to just, stand put all the weight on your feet and not try to hold on to the ice axis because like standing on those pins uh, it it doesn't feel solid if you're not used to it and i think that's the worst because you climb and you hold on to the ice axis super super strong and you put all the weight to the axis and then you get super tired and start shaking and everything. And then I think if you start trusting your toes, then then it's becoming quite easy if it's not too yeah. steep.
0: Exactly. Um, one thing which I noticed a lot for myself, but also now with Anna, my girlfriend, and David, doing their first um, steeper ice sections, is that um, you tend to lift your heel like you would do on rock you would put like quite some pressure on your toes and also putting them on a steeper angle towards the face and that really makes the crampons um, slide out and and become unstable like once you place them in my experience you should try to keep them really steady and not move around too much and also try to keep your heel low that they go in 90 degrees towards the ice or even flatter also saying that i'm not i'm definitely not a pro ice climber but that's just what um helped me and what i saw helped my girlfriend anna and david the most like really telling me keep your heel low keep your heel low and try to keep your um, crampons flat into the ice and then usually we also have a pretty good hold and that i guess also that's what helped david a lot to get up on this thing i mean we had a rope with us that we could have easily built an anchor but um yeah we asked him multiple times and he felt comfortable to climb it um free and without rope um uh, yeah Yeah. so it was i guess yeah just amazing to see david um getting this experience and getting some confidence on the ice i guess he was super stoked and and that, that yeah. really put myself a smile on the face as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And
1: then uh, as we climbed higher and higher, um, there was not that much ice left. It was more something like grass and rocks and covered by snow. And yeah, we felt a bit concerned about um, if the ice axe is holding in, in, in the rocks or like, you know, it, it, that's the terrain where you don't really know how how you are like how you're doing like how how good your anchors are and so we decided to to put out that
0: rope and <laughs> yeah that that rope says it pretty well we only had the static glacier rope with us um because yeah we were pretty convinced that we at least going to try to climb everything not on belay um we usually also did that climb later on in the season where there was more ice. And as I said, it's not that steep. It's maybe like 65 degrees. Um, some places maybe quite a bit steeper, but never never vertical. Yeah, yeah we actually took the rope to, to
1: rappel down the to north rappel. couloir. That was the actual plan. And then we said that we're going to use the rope yeah. also for that climbing section. I mean, it's for sure not the right rope, but the chance that... If you fall, and and that you that the rope doesn't break, is still quite high. It depends on the anchors you have. It depends on how far you fall, but it's also not vertical. So the fall so is you not fall, vertical. Yeah. You would just slide down. So yeah, we used that rope. I climbed up and I made the anchor in the tree, which was super tricky. I don't think that's it. That uh, that is in the episode, but I struggled a lot, you know, to come to the actual tree um, because there was so much. How do you call them? The
0: there, there was so much tree around it, like yeah, so was, many leaves and, exactly. and stuff. It was and so I couldn't thick.
1: reach it because I had my backpack on with the snowboard on on back, and I tried to reach that tree, and it was <laughs> it was super hard. And then somehow I managed it to to make that anchor at the tree, and then yeah, I just belayed the others up to the tree, and yeah, from there on the actual the actual line started, which then we wrote afterwards. And it was a quite steep couloir, I would say. Um, The snow was really good. The climb was quite easy also for the filmers, for David and everyone. Um, And that was actually the point while we were climbing on that good snow where we started to talk about yeah, this could be skiable and maybe we should ride down here. But nobody really Called it out, so I want to ski this. Everyone was like, "Yeah, maybe this could be possible." Yeah, I don't know how how did it feel for you, like when you climbed up. To, I think you were also a- already thinking about the descent here. Or...
0: Yeah, sure. When you go up, and there was like some really <clears throat> nice and compressed soft snow, not like super blow powder, but a really nice snow for steep skiing. And I I climbed up that that route quite many times, and it was never that good of a snow situation and i guess it was also to do with the rain it rained up to yeah way above 2000 meters way above the summit a few days before and then it snowed again and i guess this um uh game between rain and snow made made the snow stick also on the more vertical places and coming up there i was just really surprised how good the snow is in there And how those steeper sections, which usually are definitely not skiable, might be skiable. And so, yeah, it was obviously in my mind, but I mean, we had a different plan. We wanted to repel down to the saddle between Scheiber and Diefinger and then ski out the south couloir and fly out from there. But yeah, I mean, the farther we came up and the more... I was also thinking about, and then I remember we got to the summit and obviously the question was there. So what are we going to ride? But I guess everybody had a really clear idea and I guess we just started laughing. We're like, yeah, "Yeah, well, for sure, we're going to try to ski the climbing route. Yeah. And then also seeing the chance to fly out at the bottom of the line, just above the cliff and above the steeper ice um, felt super tempting. The, the thing was that we only had two solo wings, only two P3s and, and the tandem. And it was, it is a super tricky takeoff, one of the trickier takeoffs I ever took off, that's for sure. Yeah. And there would have been absolutely, like completely no chance to take off with the tandem. Um, yeah, that
1: would have been... Well, that,
0: um, impossible, yeah, just impossible. impossible. Yeah, and impossible. so, yeah, you gave me, or you, like we were discussing a little bit who who is going to be... Flying out, obviously, Aaron, um, and then one of us two, and and you said yeah. straight away, no, it's fine, you can you yeah. can do it. I was super stoked, like um, I
1: think, like the discussion was like that. I was I was a bit in between being too scared and being stoked for the takeoff. So I was like, yeah. At the end, it doesn't really matter to me if you want to fly, you can fly. If you don't want to fly, I'm I'm gonna fly and then you said yeah i'm really stoked to make that takeoff and then i was like okay yeah fine (laughs) you can you can do it because i was yeah in between being scared and being stoked so um but yeah talking about that takeoff uh like it's really really impressive like it's super steep it's super narrow there is no um space for mistakes and uh, I was actually I, I was I was watching you when you when you took off and I was quite nervous about it because everything should should work out when you do something like that.
0: Yeah um I was actually real nervous as well um but also saying that the P3 is such a reliable wing and yeah. when you place it nice and and be really strict with the takeoff preparations and um i never i never had any troubles with the start yeah and i really 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 don't like takeoffs where you only have that one chance and if it works it works if not you are in big troubles or even that yeah. and there um yeah aaron has i guess some really amazing techniques um and he always tells us as well to not start full gas like not put your ski straight and and ski to the wing and hope that it comes up so what we did um having a super steep slope within this which in this case sometimes helped we just slid sideways and pulled up the wing and as soon as i felt that the wing is above my head um i had a quick look i put my ski straight and i and i just came over the cliff and and My glider was already flying. Yeah,
1: Yeah, you guys looked so smooth on the takeoff that I think if someone is not that much into paragliding, it could even seem like a pretty normal takeoff because it looked super easy, actually. But but yeah, at the end, it was quite a serious takeoff and it was quite technical and you have to be super precise. So, yeah. And meanwhile, i um upside down with Mario and David, I uh, had to build like one, I used the tree, which I had as an anchor before and then in the middle, um, yeah, I looped some kind of rock. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. <laughs> I was, yeah, no, it was good. Mario came down and he also had a look at the anchor and we, we, yeah, we said it's good. And, and then we made our way down and um, for us it worked well. Was there, there was no gear inside that section, right? No, I actually had to leave behind I think two slings mm. because one sling for the tree and then one sling for the for the rock. But I thought, yeah, maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna do this line again sometime and then I just leave some some ropes inside and so now the upside pist is quite okay. I mean you still have to to climb some parts but the middle part is not that hard, so you can repel the first part and the middle part you climb and then you repel the last part and it's quite fine, but yeah to be honest now uh, when I saw that climbing section yesterday, um it doesn't gets out of my head that it could be also skill this section,
0: but that is the thing like we have I guess a pretty similar situation now heaps of um, fresh snow yeah. and also some wet snow which sticks to the rocks and from the experience like also talking about Norway um, not everything which is covered in rock is also skiable like we yeah. usually say in the Alps whenever there is snow and a, and a continuous snow line it's skiable but in yeah. this special um, conditions where the snow also even sticks on overhangs yeah, that's true. um it's really hard to judge if it if the snow is gonna hold or if it's not even yeah vertical or, or, or way, way too steep. That's totally right. I also had a look
1: at Ifingo yesterday, and there is some vertical or even overhanging walls which are covered in snow. I mean, you still can see a little bit the rocks, but it's quite white, like the whole mountain is quite white. So maybe it's also just just not uh, realistic to ski that climb route yet. Yeah, <laughs> we will see. I don't think that we're gonna have the time now to approach this line because we have a lot of other projects in our heads. And so, but
0: yeah, maybe one day we will try it again. Um, but probably not now. <laughs> yeah, definitely some exciting times ahead for us. Um on Sunday it's gonna launch our fourth episode on YouTube. Um as I already said, it's gonna be a super funny, it's a super funny episode in my eyes. Um very steep and super narrow couloir a little bit. Um representing what <laughs> what we do and what we what we also publish quite a lot of Instagram on Instagram and was just a great day. And yeah, I guess that's what we are also probably gonna do in the next day, skiing some couloirs tomorrow, probably again with Aron, Um because it's still snowing. It's getting a little bit better tomorrow, but most likely it's not going to be an amazing sunny day where you could ski on open fields and also with all the uh, fresh snow, probably way safer um, to stay in the couloirs.
1: Yeah, talking about episode four, um, I'm actually super stoked about episode four. Um, I watched it a few times now to to give some feedback and to make some changes. Um, but it's such a fun mission. The wipe was was really good, and uh, yeah, like we we wrote there some some gnarly lines, but actually one really gnarly line, which was yeah really narrow, really steep. But we don't want to tell too much about episode four. You can first have a look at it on YouTube on Sunday, and yeah, as you said, for the next days currently we have a lot of snowfall here. Um, but it's also quite warm. Yesterday it rained quite high up, and so we still don't know exactly what we're gonna do tomorrow. But yeah, I hope we find some some cool stuff to do. We find some some good snow. We probably have to stay quite high, mm-hmm. and yeah, we have to take it to take it easy, to play it safe because it snowed a lot and it's quite warm, and it's the first good weather day. Or hopefully good weather day mm-hmm. so yeah we're gonna we're gonna see what's what's happening
0: tomorrow yeah definitely a lot of stuff to talk about um for the next podcast um releasing on thursday gonna talk about episode four and also what is gonna happen during those next days and i'm sure a, a lot is happening hopefully good things only um and yeah i guess that's a good point to wrap it up Cheers for tuning in again. Um, Hope we could give you some insights on our last YouTube episodes and on what's going to happen soon. And yeah, looking forward to our next talk.
1: Yeah, it was great to be here and wish you all a good day and see you in the next episode.